0: Thanks for listening to episode 185 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Paula Woodman. Paula Woodman is the head of the Global Social Enterprise Portfolio at the British Council, which seeks to support ecosystems for a thriving impact economy in nearly 30 countries. Paula has worked in this area for 20 years and is now a leading and influential global influencer for a more impact-driven economy. Paula co-authored the flagship British Council report, Think Global, Trade Social, How Business with a Social Purpose Can Deliver More Sustainable Development, which launched in partnership with the World Bank Group to coincide with assigning the Sustainable Development Goals. Other reports she has led on include Activist to Entrepreneur, The Role of Social Enterprise in Supporting Women's Empowerment, which she launched at the European Development Days Conference, and Global City Challenges, The Creative and Social Economy Solution, which she led in partnership with the Global Parliament of Mayors. Paula is a member of the Social Enterprise World Forum Board, as well as being a key member of the Steering Group for the Future of the Corporation Research and Engagement Program from the British Academy. Previously, she co-founded a UK-wide social enterprise and led as a director at a social enterprise infrastructure organization. So in today's podcast, we'll discuss Paula's views on the current state of the social enterprise sector globally. We'll get Paula's insights and perspective on social innovation opportunities, and we'll hear what Paula believes can be done to raise social enterprise awareness, creating stronger opportunities for positive social change. So Paula, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on here. Thanks very much for joining us.
1: Brilliant. Thanks for having me today.
0: So to kick things off, Paula, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to working in the social enterprise sector?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, I think the topic of inequality has always been of interest to me. Um, My parents um, actually uh, emigrated from Ireland to the UK um, for jobs and their upbringing was um, very meagre. They didn't have much education. And they came to the UK for opportunities. So I think that story of the trials and tribulations of trying to find your way in the world um, was there as an an interest for me um, from the word go. Mm. Um, I was also very affected by the famines in the 80s um, happening in Africa, which was very big news stories um, in the UK where I grew up. And that led me to go and live in Africa in 1997. Now, one of the surprising outcomes of that trip was actually not just reflecting on the subsistence lifestyle and how it really robs dignity from people but also on the other hand that this these communities that i was living in in africa they were so rich their sense of identity their connections with each other their connections with nature they had social capital in abundance and perhaps in a way that in the uk we were losing. I actually returned to the UK from Africa um, at Christmas time and it really brought into very sharp focus the kind of commercial pressures um, that we live in and that sometimes the special role for family and friends and that social capital was perhaps under threat. So I think it was quite a a straightforward jump for me to to become quite focused on this. I studied economics and really realize that we need a systemic change hmm. um, for both the more developed economies and for those economies that have been left behind we will need to work out how to value things in our society, things that matter for our well-being um, and for our, um, the future of our planet. And the rest is kind of history so I was scouring jobs pages and found an advert simply for a network of community enterprises. That network's called locality now. And it's still very active in the UK. And the idea of deprived communities running their own businesses so that they could regenerate their areas their way without being uh, waiting for donations or grants, Mm. I thought was just absolutely magic and a complete shift in what I had learned as an economic student. And it was a great time to be in the social enterprise movement in the UK. We had uh, Tony Blair committing to social enterprise in his winning manifesto. And then in 2000, we had the creation of Unlimited, the UK's foundation for social entrepreneurs. So I've never left social enterprise since then. I've moved around, but it's in my blood. And I really believe it's only through systemic change that we will create uh, well-being in, in our world today.
0: That's an excellent point there, Paul, and one I completely agree with. And there's obviously a really strong tie in your, your studies and work experience and, and, and life experience to the role that you're doing now as Global Head of Social Enterprise at the British Council. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about this organisation and the impact that it creates and sort of projects that you're involved in.
1: Yeah, The, the surprising history of the British Council is that it was founded in 1934, which was a time of huge political tensions in the world. So actually, you may reflect um, on today's uh, political tensions and and our global issues um, Mm. as being not, not in some ways, uh, a dissimilar point in time. And the British Council was set up because there was a belief that we needed friendly knowledge and understanding globally between people, people of the UK and people of other countries, that we needed to actually have a, a baseline of understanding and ability to get on and appreciate each other's cultures. So that's very relevant um, today. Uh, we work in over 100 countries in fields such as the arts and culture, English language, education systems, and also in the area of society. And uh, we reach um, in the region of 75 million people directly, um, with something like 758 million people, if you include online broadcast and publication reach. So, it's an incredible organisation to work for because the reach, the history, the reach really brings something very special, um, including to the field of social enterprise. In social enterprise, we use our insights at local level. So in about 30 countries, we're working on social enterprise and the impact economy. And we use our insights from the local level to enable an exchange with uh, UK practitioners and with other countries and whether that's at the policy level or whether that's at the practitioner level, so for actual social entrepreneurs, it slightly varies depending on the shape of the programme and the real opportunity in that country. But some of the things we are achieving, um, so we have a social enterprise in schools programme and that programme will reach 50,000 students by 2020, wow. um, which is a really incredible um, number. In capacity building we've been working with social entrepreneurs to build their capacity since about 2009. And we've trained in the region of 19,000 social entrepreneurs. Um, So trying to help social entrepreneurs to be established, but also to reach scale and to access um, impact investment. We also very committed in the field of research and uh, reports. So trying to build that evidence base that we need um, in order to get other partners on board for the in pursuit of the impact economy. And we've published over 35 uh, reports um, to date in the impact economy space. Some of those are local mapping studies, but other studies are looking at issues such as women's empowerment and social enterprise or how do how do education systems contribute um, to social enterprise? So, yeah, that's the work that we're involved
0: in. Well, there's a ton of amazing projects there, and what an amazing amount of reach, Paula. It must be yeah, something you can you can certainly be proud of to be working with. And this year, the British Council are one of the key partners delivering the Social Enterprise World Forum, and that'll be held in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia in October. And you're planning on bringing together over 1,200 people from around the globe. So I'm really, really interested to hear about what you're most looking forward to about this year's World Forum and what the delegates can expect.
1: Um, It's going to be absolutely uh, incredible. The first thing really to say is that we're nearly sold out. So um, we only have about 200 tickets um, left uh, for the Social Enterprise World Forum. So for those who are interested, please do get your hands on one of those tickets uh, soon. I think it's going to be a really mind-blowing event, actually. The theme is local traditions and fresh perspectives. And we chose that because Ethiopia actually has a really long history of creating socially entrepreneurial approaches As I found when I've been traveling the world with the British Council, many communities have found solutions to their problems. And where there is an absence of finance, they have found entrepreneurial solutions to those uh, problems. And that's definitely the case in Ethiopia. It's uh, a very strong independent country. It's seen as a capital of Africa, Um, because the Africa Union is based there and other other such um, institutions. And it really is playing quite an important leadership role um, in the region. So it's brilliant to actually highlight um, the role that social enterprise is playing there. And let me tell you, the social enterprises there um, are thinking big. They're already achieving a huge amount And that's without much of a supportive ecosystem. So it really blows your mind when you're coming from somewhere like the UK or the US or maybe Australia, where, you know, there's more infrastructure available. There's uh, some people who know what social enterprise is. There's some sorts of finance that you can maybe try to access for a social enterprise. These things really are in their infancy in Ethiopia. But irregardless, these social enterprises have found a way through, um, and it really does um, challenge us, I think, um, in terms of how ambitious we we really are being. The other thing to say is that this year will be the first time that the social enterprise world forum will be held in a lower income economy and I think this is really strategically important for our whole movement mm. um, We speak about inequality we say that we are a different movement that we want to connect and empower those who have been excluded. And this event offers that opportunity in spades because we're gonna be hearing from um, people making the change um, in a lower income country. We already have um, a good number of participants registered, as I say. We already have about a 1,000 registered, and they're from 56 countries. Wow. Um, This is going to be a fantastic international um, melting pot um, for partnerships, for inspiration, and to grow our global movement. Uh, It's an event not to be missed.
0: Absolutely. It'll be great to see you over there this year, Paula. And it'll in fact it'll be great to be sitting in a in a session with you, which I'm very much looking forward to to discussing further. So I'm I'm keen now to hear a little bit about how you've seen the social enterprise sector transform and change over the last five years or so, particularly with the sort of work that you've been doing. I'm sure there's some great insights there.
1: Mm, yeah, absolutely. I mean, sometimes things are are, are are said about social enterprise and you wonder what the evidence is. So I'll start with some evidence. Um, I referred to our mapping studies um, that we have now done in about 20 countries. Um, in those mapping studies, we chart um, social enterprises, asking them how long they've been around for and how much they're growing. And this often means we're tracking back for sort of five, ten years, and you can see how many social enterprises have been set up more recently. Mm. Um, And I I can tell you from that real hard evidence, social enterprise is absolutely booming in every country that we survey. We see the number that have been created five years ago, three years ago, two years ago, building all the time um, up to a peak so it's, it's a fantastic time to be in this movement. I think the other thing we've definitely seen is uh, a surge of interest from other stakeholders. So from policymakers, I think for policymakers, they really cannot escape now the joint twin issues, if you like, of both inequality, but also um, our planetary um, emergency, if you mm. like. And they are seeing that systemic change, both in the sorts of businesses we have and how investment flows, has to be the answer. Um, so from countries as diverse as Indonesia um, to Ghana, Greece and Vietnam, we're seeing policymakers really coming on board and seeking to um, grow the movement in their country. Um, also within wider agendas, so a couple of examples, we're seeing the impact economy now become a very serious um, topic for those looking at mainstream economics. So I'm on the steering group for a program called The Future of the Corporation. It's had leading thinkers from across the world looking at what would the shape of the corporation be if it was actually fit for purpose for the 21st century, They've also looked back in history and considered the journey that the Corporation Act has actually been on, how it's changed over the decades. And some of the findings from that are really pointing towards the kind of broader social enterprise space. So they're concerned with issues such as ownership, as governance, as culture, all things that we are very much leading on in the social enterprise space. Another example, though, is... um, within the international development community. So when the British Council was first active on social enterprise, we went to international development events and there was really very little around the impact economy at those events. Whereas now we see a huge number of other players who are running um, sessions at those events around the impact economy. It's no longer seen as being this niche and is actually very much part of the mainstream in terms of creating sustainable development.
0: Well, that's really, really encouraging to hear about that growing momentum, and it certainly aligns with the sort of insights that, that we've been getting from around the globe as well. So that's that's great. Now, I'm curious to hear then, you know, there's there's obviously still a lot of people who don't know about social enterprise. So how might we best raise awareness even more and change mindsets so that everyone can see how business can be used to tackle our most pressing social and environmental issues.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you won't be surprised, um, Tom, to hear me saying that uh, storytelling is a very important Mm -hmm. um, part of of this. So the work that you guys are doing at Impact Boom, Pioneers Post and Thompson Reuters Foundation, um, it's really helping the movement to tell its story better, um, as well as to reach new audiences. And I think the interest, the readership for those sorts of, um, that, that content is growing all the time. Um, so, so that's fantastic. I think on the other hand, we do need governments to play their role and, uh, we've seen that in other, other areas. So if you take recycling, for example, um, in the UK today, recycling household waste is very much part and parcel of what everybody does. About half of UK household waste is successfully recycled and it's growing all the time. And that's compared to only 10% of household waste that was recycled in the year 2000. Mm. So actually what we've seen is government and other stakeholders, of course, but really educating the public Um, providing signals, providing incentives, and making it easy for the public um, to practically do this. At the end of the day, there's only so many people who are going to take the time to understand what a social enterprise is and what is the added value and why is it important. So we need to rely on governments also to play a key role in championing this areas. I suppose in terms of examples of that, in um, Scotland they already have a huge amount of social enterprise um, activity within schools. Mm. Um, and they've actually vowed that social enterprise will be in every school curriculum by 2028. So they're going to be reaching the next generation of young social entrepreneurs.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Um, but they're also going to be reaching the next group of consumers and at an age where it really will um, inform their behaviours as adults as well as potentially informing what the families are doing, the families of these children when they come home and start asking asking some questions. So that's one one way that governments can really tip the balance. Another way um, is of course through the government purchasing power itself Um, and that really is a game changer if we could unlock all of the purchasing that governments are doing Mm. so that they consider not just the quality and the price of what they're procuring, but also the wider social value. So that's a really hot um, agenda within our own uh, portfolio of work. We find it's of good interest, a great deal of interest from policymakers, and it's great to see um, other partners coming on board. So the Social Enterprise World Forum and SAP have, I'm sure you, you, you've you perhaps um, heard about, they created a um, webinar tool to help build yeah. interest and capacity in this area. Um, and that's such important work.
0: Absolutely. It really, really is. And I'm sure that it's encouraging for those social entrepreneurs themselves listening as well to hear about the growing interest in the space and and the sort of things that can be done to grow this movement so what advice then would you have for those social entrepreneurs listening who are working hard to to create that positive social impact they are they're doing their absolute best but perhaps you could wrap it up in a in a few key points for them
1: uh yeah i think i think the key really is taking care of your stress levels and your mental health and staying focused on your business model without trying to add too many extra considerations along the way that overcomplicates what you're trying to do and potentially makes it less uh, feasible in the marketplace. So I guess what I'm saying is that if you are operating in the market you're competing often against much less scrupulous competition. And if you can make that work while delivering impact, it's absolutely brilliant. I think sometimes what we do is then from the outside, people start making requests and demands of these social enterprises. Um, Expectations have been raised. Um, There's a lot of big ideas. Oh, you could do this differently. You could do that. You could change this. And it's a lot of pressure. In reality, if it was so easy to run a business that had a perfect social and environmental impact, then then surely everybody would be doing it. So don't try to be all things to all people. I think um, that focus, that single minded approach to your business model without overcomplicating it is the best route to sustainability.
0: Such great advice, and I'm so glad that you brought up the the taking care of yourself uh, part because I think it's it's really come to the spotlight, especially in the last year or so, the issue for burnout of of entrepreneurs, particularly social entrepreneurs, and and I think there's certainly some work to be done in in making sure that we we do take care of ourselves. So it's great for you to highlight that, and so you might be able to share paula please some really inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across that you believe are creating that great positive social change
1: um yeah i mean <laughs> how much time have you got <laughs> <laughs> well i'm 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 so very fortunate in that i get to see some really incredible social enterprises from around the world it's, absolutely uh, it's 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 the best part of the job yeah um i mean one i'm really excited to hear speak at the social enterprise world forum um, and a hidden gem. They're called Dalala and Jay from Johannesburg. Right. Um, so I was brought to um, in Johannesburg to a place called the Ponte Tower. It's really an what you can only call an icon of poverty um, in the middle of Johannesburg. Mm. Um, it sticks up right in the skyline. Every local knows it as being really a hellish place during the apartheid regime in South Africa. Um, It was a vertical slum and parents would say to their children, you know, you'd better work hard at school or you could end up in Ponty Tower. Mm, (laughs) Um, So such a powerful image and history and to see that it's now become this fertile ground for a social enterprise called this, this social enterprise called Dalala and Jay really is incredible. They're changing perceptions about the area. Um, they offer safety to, um, for young people, um, as well as education and support to young people. And what's more incredible is that the people who've set this up, young people themselves, they're not connected with the social enterprise movement at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I really couldn't comprehend you know you you don't know any of these movements you don't know any of these infrastructure groups and they just said well look it just made sense you know we want to have a job but we also want to connect with our own values and with the history of this area and to give back to this area so purely and simply it made sense Mm. um and we've been doing it ourselves. They run a very effective social enterprise without any external funding. And I suppose that example is so great because um, it just shows that the next generation are really a source of such hope for us because they don't have these uh, barriers or old fashioned ways of working in their mind. Um, they just think social enterprises is, is, is how business is meant to be. Um, so that's, that's, that's brilliant. I could go on to so many other examples, but I'm not sure you have the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we are coming to the limit now, Paula. So let's let's skip to the books part. What yeah. books would you recommend? Perhaps this could be our final question.
1: Sure, sure. At the moment, I've got my head stuck into a book that's called uh, The Economics of Arrival, which is really interesting. Mm. Um, it's by Catherine Trebek and Jeremy Williams. So they're asking questions like, you know, is there such a thing as too much economic growth? And what is economic growth for Mm. if we're not actually tying it fundamentally to our well-being and the future of our planet? So they're asking, when do we realise that our global economy is perhaps big enough and tackle the difficult questions of allocating resources and dealing with equality? So that's something I've got my head stuck in at the moment. But I have to say, I do also love to switch off and read uh, fiction. Um, So over the summer, uh, I rattled through a book that uh, many may have already read. Um, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, I read this summer. So that was a really interesting um, fiction uh, novel about loneliness, really, and also about identity. And how everyday acts of kindness can be really the most important thing of all, um, creating our shared humanity.
0: Hmm. Sounds like a great book and a really good note to to finish this on, Paula. So, Paula, thanks so much again for for sharing your insights and your experience today. It's been a, an absolute pleasure to talk to you, and it'll be great to see you next month in Addis.
1: Brilliant! Thank you so much, Tom. It's been fantastic to talk to you too. Our and pleasure. yes to seeing you in Addis and I'm sure we'll both be um, very, very excited about what we're
0: seeing there. Absolutely. Thanks again.
1: Thank you, Tom.
0: Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.